Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Joshua Weinstein, director and producer of the newly released film Menasha and Menasha Lustig, who stars in the film. The film was shot in secret entirely within the Hasidic community, depicted in the film, and is one of the only movies to be performed in Yiddish in nearly 70 years. Joshua Weinstein has been a documentary filmmaker and cinematographer for over a decade and has shot, produced, or directed over 20 shorts and features. After deciding to cast non-professionals, Weinstein talked to Hasidim in Borough Park, who he thought could be part of the film. He met Schulmitzer's brother-in-law, 38-year-old Menasha Lustig, who had the charm, the story, and the ability to be uh, take a starring role in the film. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for a, uh, a great film. Um, I, yeah. want, I wondered if you could share a little bit about the film's story, which I understand is based largely on the real life of Menasha. Sure. We like the origins or what the film is or a plot? Just sort of a little bit of the backstory about how it all came together. Okay. So um, I've been working... Actually, his name, my brother-in-law, not sure this is brother-in-law, his name is Schmelzer. Oh. Schmelzer. Oh. Pardon. Lipa Schmelzer. Lipa Schmelzer. Thank you, Menasha. Thank you. Yeah, he called me, he called me to perform, like he will be a rabbi at Hanukkah, and I will be his assistant, like a gabba. He said, oh, you do your, your best. I said, okay. At the same time, jo- Josh was uh, trying to find some people to make, uh, come across for him, for his project. He started to, he wants to build up some kind of uh, idea. And suddenly, I show up, <laughs> and he show up, and he put an eye on me. I haven't seen a thing of him, <laughs> I yeah. say. So, it's funny. Um, I knew I wanted to make a film in the Hasidic world. It's like you think of New York City, you think of the Empire State Building, you think of yellow taxis, and you also think of um, black-hatted Hasidic Jews walking around. I mean, they're just part of the fabric of the city, but they're a group of people that live by themselves. People, they're unknowable because they don't want to be at all involved with um, secular society. And... As long as I can remember, I've always found that fascinating, that we could be on the same subways together, on the same streets together, but yet not speak a common language, not have a common um, lifestyle together. So I knew that this was a world that was really ripe for exploring and and deserved to have a deeper dive. Also, it had never been done before. It had never been an authentic film that was all in Yiddish with real Hasidic Jews, and I just knew that I wanted that uh, immense challenge. And what were some of the challenges you faced bringing the story to the film? I'm to the screen, excuse me. Yeah, well, there's the typical ones that you could expect that, uh, you know, no one thought this was a good idea to make. Even my mom thought it was bad. Um, No one wanted to give us money, which is typical for any, you know, independent film. But then in terms of making it in this community, it was getting actors. I mean, of the over half a billion people who speak Yiddish and are Hasidic, in the tri-state area, only about 45 showed up for auditions. Even with those 45, many of them were intimidated by people in the communities. They, they, they didn't show up for the days they said they were going to show up. We lost locations. 
one supermarket was actually filmed in four supermarkets. Um, and then there was this immense challenge on top of all of that about the intimidation of, of people from the community not wanting us to make this film. It was also the fact that Yiddish is not my main language and, and just directing actors in a language that is not native to me imposes a whole bunch of other immense difficulties. Well, what? So I decided, my name is Menashe, so okay. I decided. Uh, okay, your name's Menashe? Uh, I changed my name for security every <laughs> two seconds. So I decided that, uh, oh, same thing, people was warning me too, that uh, you should know this oldest media, they just want to, have, to cover us negative, and they will never do us a favor. They just need themselves, and they don't want to, they're not here for our favors. So I smell that one day, earlier or later, it, it will be, a, a, it, it, if the time is right, there should be already a kind of movie from our community too. People from our community, have enough, we have enough uh, synagogues and enough rabbis. It's time we should have a little entertainment and a little bit directors and actors also. We have the people, and God created us to have kind of talent. You're not created just to go engrave with that, just to use it. So, and people telling me, no, but uh, it's not, they, no one wants to meet your favor, and you will be the only one who will be ashamed, will be the shame of uh, the, how do you say, the wall of shame? Mm -hmm. The guy who go out from the community and do things what's funny, why you have to be the monkey and do that? I decided that if it's the normal way, and it's, uh, it could be in a kosher way, in a proper way, then why not? How could I prove it? Then I, I make you know I get a call from Danny Finkelman who told me, if you trust me, you should know it's not a bad thing. I'm the I'm the man in the name of Lubavitch who believes that we should do it in purpose. We should do that. Not uh, you should do it by, if you don't have what to uh, you know what to, what to lose. Just in purpose. You and not just this. It's an opportunity we're not allowed to. Swallow that. You don't, you don't have to miss it. You don't. You're not allowed to, to miss this opportunity. You have to do it, and it will be very good. And we never imagined that it will be so special feedback. I know my act is good, and I know uh, in the beginning that I have a good uh, director and good uh, people around uh, who want good. But we never uh, expect so good reviews and so good feedback. And, and uh, it was for me also a big I uh, something new, you know, like uh, something uh, a surprise. That it, uh, it it comes out so well. Now the people are jealous, telling me, "Wow, you're getting so big in your so big." They didn't, uh, didn't want to know my failures before. They just want to know when I get big. They didn't know how hard we were till we get to this. And, and the reason why people even care about this movie is because Menasha is an incredible actor. Uh, he, he is a star in so many ways and just unexpected. Um, he's Charlie Chaplin-esque. He, he can be so committed to a scene. But what I love most about him is besides his humor, that there's something just a little bit broken on the inside. You, you see his pain, his suffering, it, it's exuded in every action he does. And, and just simple ways that, that he, he sweats on set, that he, um, you know, he carries 
a sad plastic bag as he walks down the street. The way that he, he desperately tries to connect with his son constantly throughout the film. I mean, these emotions that he emotes are so palpable. And um, his, his pain, his love, his suffering, his, his humanity is in every single frame. And, and really, the whole success of this film was completely on Menashe's back. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit. It's a, it is a beautiful film. It's a very believable film. It's based, I understand, on a true story. I wonder if you can talk about how that evolution took place. I mean, you wanted, as I understand it, to film something within this community. And then the story revealed itself. Um, would you talk a little bit about that, Joshua? Sure. So I knew I wanted to make a film in this world. So I went out with this pad and paper and just started spending time in Borough Park and in upstate New, New York and Hasidic enclaves. And I went to, to you know, Minions. I went to Mikvahs. I, I had coffee in, in little um, religious bodegas. And I just saw how life was similar to, to my life, but yet in so many ways completely different. And I just started keeping a, a, a running notebook just of, of moments. Because for me, film is not about plot. It's about watching thousands of, of people dance around a, 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 a flame. That, that was what excited me about this film. So I knew that I, what these moments I wanted, but I was looking for what was going to be the backbone, what was going to hold all these ethnographic kind of um, episodes in place. And Menasha just told me, two things about his life. One, that he was a widower, and two, that his son lived three blocks away from him and not with him. I knew that that was just a unique struggle that I could never imagine. And I wanted the, um, the narrative arc of the film to be something really specific to the Hasidic world that wasn't a struggle that, that I mean, it was a struggle that we all could relate to, but at the same point, it was something that was completely unique to Menashe's existence. Um, and one thing that struck me watching it is that, um, and I hope that the, you would feel comfortable with my saying this, is it it really invites or you know kind of allows the viewer into what is a community that you're not necessarily part of, um, and you feel very comfortable within the story. Did you want to find a story that would give you that entry point, um, and do you think that that's helpful in what you set out to do, which was to become part of a community and tell that story? Um, you know, the summer before this film, we started shooting this film, the um, Apu Trilogy was re-released by Satyajit Ray, and the Apu Trilogy was three films made by this Indian filmmaker who was living in London at the time. He saw Bicycle Thief, and then he said, I want to make Bicycle Thief in India. So he took this book, and he told the story, three chapters, of just a typical boy's life, and it kind of follows both his journey uh, of growing up at the same point, the, um, the industrialization of India at the same point. But what was really extremely popular and radical about this film was it was one of the first films made, I mean, outside of Japan, which we, we were getting Japanese movies in America, but outside of Japan, it was the first film in Asia to really show what everyday life was like in India and just to make, and make it a humanization of that. So when I saw just these everyday images of village, rural life, and then city life in India, I knew that I loved that 
that emotional ethnography that Satyajit Ray did, and I was trying to capture the same thing. So I was always trying to make an accessible film, but at the same point, make it to break the expectations and to break the um, our, our expectation. Yeah, to, to to break our expectations of what we'd expect in the community. Yeah, he he traveled to India and to other places in Africa. He could be five minutes away in in, in a different world. So that's what he wants to discover. <laughs> which which you do really well and. Tell me a little bit about at what point you decided to make this film in Yiddish, or maybe you started out with that goal, and how and, yeah, and how it how it informs the film. Sure. So first of all, ling- Yiddish is a very funny language, <laughs> and there's so many phrases in the film that had to, that I knew had to be in Yiddish. But really, the reason why I had to be in Yiddish was because. It's what's really spoken in the community. If you want to talk about the most religious Hasidic Jews at home, they speak Yiddish. They don't speak English. So it was the only way to really capture what it was like to be from this community. So I knew from the very first day I started making this film that this was a film that had to be in Yiddish, and there was no other way around it. And do you think it all played out um, as you imagined when you set out on this journey? Did it tell the story you sought to tell? <laughs> it was such, you know, uh, I'm very critical of myself and of my work. And we constantly had, uh, because it was done in New York and because it was such a small crew, we could keep on changing, going back, rewriting, reshooting scenes. So uh, we were blown away by the response. We always knew that this was going to be a film. My, my, my team always knew this was going to be a film that we loved, that we respected, that we cared about. But we had no idea that telling this truthful story in, in Borough Park was going to have this complete cultural transcendent point of view that people from Germany to Arizona were going to care about. I will tell you what. Even when you're writing an article, you know what you want, the point when you, when you write the article, but you don't know how the article will work out, how you will write it. Yes, yeah, the same thing, we know, he knows what he wants, and he made, uh, he wants exactly what he made, but he didn't know how it will work out, what kind of shape it will be. But he knows what he wants, but we never know how it will look in the end. But circumstances, everything around. Yeah. It, it seems... Making art... Oh. You know, oh. Making art and making successful art are two completely different things. You never know when you come out to make a film, a song, that this is going to connect, and, and you feel so much gratitude and luck when, when it does connect. It, it seems that you both found good partners in one another in terms of <laughs> both both of your ambitions in telling this. And one quick question, how hard was it to play yourself on the screen? The Yeah. <laughs> No, for the other production. When I'm acting, I, I'm not me. I'm, 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 I put my whole mind, uh, you know, in the character, what I want to be. So I, I say for a joke, when I was in class, and my teacher was uh, like, even smacking me, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, <laughs> because I was fantasizing all the time, not listening to the homish and everything. Now I guess I gained from that, that I could fantasize and gain something. <laughs> I'm putting myself in the character, and I try to do the best. 
and and I, I try you know not to do it uh, overdoing it, but uh, happens to be I, I see that people love it very much. At the same time, people could say I'm stupid, but if they say it's good, I have to believe them. <laughs> Menasha is a real brilliant actor, and, and and the whole film, like I said, it just rested on. His you know what's shoulders. different with me and other people? <laughs> I have a whole family from 13 siblings. I'm the only one. And the whole family, even the background, like I have cousins and like, you could say like a few hundred people in this family, in my family, who half of them for sure have this talent from acting and jokes and fantasy, all this kind of writing. A part of them writing for themselves, acting just in between their family or quietly. I'm the only one who jumped out from the box and acting for everyone. It's very shameful how uh, it bothers you. How, how could it be people have talent never use that? You just have to have the courage, you know, and help from God also, you know, to jump out and doing it, doing it. So many people have talent and never use that. Um, I would love to do my next film that casts all 100 uh, <laughs> relatives of my not. Oh, they will be ashamed. That would, that would be a special movie. This kind of people should not ashamed even in a lonely room in the, in the mirror. They're ashamed from themselves. <laughs> Well, the film, as I understand it, opens nationally this week. Is that correct? Yeah, it's after July 28th it opens. So mm -hmm. that's in two Fridays. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing everyone in the theaters. And can you tell us, um, for our listeners, where they can learn a little bit more about the film and area screenings? Yes, yeah, sure. So it will all be listed at menashamovie.com. On the Twitter page, on the Facebook page, also all Menasha Movie And, um... It's opening in New York at Lincoln Plaza and Angelica, and then in L.A. at the Lemley Royal. So you say to the theater, you know? In the theater, July. 28th, 29th, Yeah, so, yeah. so it's really important to get people out opening weekend. Great. Well, yeah, we're... Some people, how do you say, reserve Shabbos? <laughs> yeah, so if you reserve Shabbos, we're, we're there on Sunday, too. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to screening the film at the Yiddish Book Center here in Amherst, Mass. in early 2018. I thank you both for a great film, for the work that you did. And, um, again, thanks for stopping long enough to join me today. I really appreciate it. Take care. Oh, thank you for you. I really appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well. Be healthy and tune in again soon.